0: We've developed these stigmas behind mental illness, and it keeps us apart from being able to better service or work with our loved ones. Education has made the difference for me, and I think once people begin to know that there are resources out here, that they're not alone in this plight or this journey, because it is a long-term journey. Usually, it isn't something that you know happens once, and it's done and over with. Some people's experience have been that, Um, but many of them are long-term journeys
1: that take place. There's a place in Southern Oregon filled with gorgeous natural beauty, friendly yet independent people, and a mild, comfortable climate. That place is called Grants Pass. These are the stories of the people that live and work in Josephine County. These are the movers and shakers that make this place the best. This is Grants Pass VIP.
2: James Ramirez is a national trainer with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. He currently resides in Grants Pass, Oregon and grew up in Barstow, California. He has a bachelor's degree in business, an MBA, and is currently working toward a doctorate in organizational leadership. James has served in the United States Navy's nuclear power program and retired with 35 years service for a major utility in California. He has four children, three daughters and one son, and five grandchildren. Over the past 20 years, he's worked closely with three family members with brain diseases. When James' son encountered his first episode, diagnosed with bipolar, he found all his training, current education, and business acumen could not help him. That's when he took his first NAMI family-to-family class. Shortly after, he joined NAMI and became a state trainer for the family-to-family program. Today he's been certified as a NAMI Family to Family National Trainer, a NAMI Family Support Group State Trainer, a NAMI Homefront State Trainer, and a teacher for the NAMI Basics class. James credits NAMI with saving his relationships with loved ones and his own mental health. James Ramirez, welcome to Grants Pass VIP. Thank
0: you very much, Brian. Good to meet you.
2: Tell us a little bit about your story up until the point of joining NAMI. How did you find NAMI?
0: So my son first had his first episode, um, wanted tremendous mania and depression. And my wife and I uh, then reached out to look at where could we get more information? We looked at NIM, National Institute for Mental Health, and uh, they provided some information. We looked at our local doctors who supported that. And, and then we found that NAMI, and going through NAMI, we first did what's called a 12-week class, and it goes from teaching you from what happens inside the brain biologically to empathy to communication exercises and, and tools that you can use. And uh, it was that class that uh, kind of turned my light on. I thought I could help Project Manage him right out of his mental illness with all <laughs> the skills, knowledge, and experience before, but I was wrong. The way NAMI put it in Provided Education, it was a way of working with your person that you love and want to support in it, and that's what made a difference. And I always say that it wasn't so much he that changed, it was me that changed. It was my wife that changed, and when we changed working with him, he slowly began to change. And today we have a fantastic
2: relationship, and he's doing pretty well. Wow, that's fabulous we're going to go a little bit back and forth here because I have so many questions to ask. How did you end up in Grants Pass?
0: That was an interesting thing. One of the slogans I'd use is I was always one bad day away from retiring. And after 35 years, um, I began to notice some changes in my body, blood pressure going up. I was very close to having to be diagnosed as diabetic and, um, so I thought, uh, maybe we need to do something. Maybe I need to do something different. And my wife's, current wife's daughter, moved up here. And we thought, what better way was to move up here, be close to her at the same time, and uh, retired and moved up to Grants Pass. And here we've been so far.
2: Oh, fabulous. Why, of all places, why Grants Pass?
0: Well, she was um, working for a close friend of my wife's. My wife knew this this lady who owned this um large piece of property here in Williams so she had known her since she was in her late teens and it was an opportunity to reunite and we had some other friends who had moved up from California Yeah, (laughs) I say that quietly (laughs) Um, but uh, and it, it turned out to be a great place we'd come up here before to visit and did many of the different tourist activities Yeah. and um, we loved the Four Seasons. Although we loved California where we lived, we were on the central coast in San Luis Obispo area, mm-hmm. uh, but there's only one season there.
2: Yeah, that's and right. <laughs>
0: up here, there's Four Seasons. You get to smell it, feel it, taste it, and enjoy all Four Seasons. So um, we've well, enjoyed it since.
2: Wow, that's great. <laughs> that's, it's funny. That's very similar to my own story of visiting visiting friends up here is, is what, what brought me to the area. Which part of NAMI are you most excited about right now? So
0: the part I'm most excited about is the educational side of NAMI. So NAMI does support, NAMI does education, they do advocacy and awareness. Um, But I'm really excited about education and the opportunity to help people know and understand that we've created these, we've developed these stigmas behind mental illness and it keeps us apart from being able to better service or work with our loved ones. So that's helped and education has made the difference for me. And I think once people begin to know that there are resources out here, that they're not alone in this plight or this journey because it, it is a long-term journey. Usually it isn't something that you know happens once and it's done and over with. Some people's experience have been that, um, but many of them are long-term journeys that take place. So being able to educate and let the, let the community know. Statistically, we know that one out of every five people deal with a mental illness. So we could, I could large walk into a large crowd of people and say, one, two, three, four, okay, you. One, two, three, four, okay, you. And that's the prevalence of, of the issue that resides with, um, with mental illness. And we've seen even more, particularly with COVID, right, the isolationism. Uh, the, de- the growth and depression, the effects on our children. Uh, so I want to be able to help reach out and let people know that um, they're not alone in this fight. And there are resources. There are groups that you can go. You can meet with other peer groups. If you have a mental illness, you can meet with other peers and you can share almost anything. And if you're looking to support your loved one, we have groups for that and uh, you can meet on a regular basis, and you can begin to share some of your stories, sometimes sagas, sometimes successful stories, and learn so much more. There's recently a book that just came out, probably the first book that's come out of NAMI since their conception, and it's called I'm Not Alone, and Dr. Ken Duckworth um, actually put this together, and he's their chief medical officer, and um, he said, I've always wanted to write a book. He goes, but I don't want it to be about me, and I don't want to just share medical information. I want to write about the people and their stories that have taken place for mental illness, and that's what he did. He took over 120 people. I think he has 100 different stories, and they're about people, and it's weaved into the book so you can see what people have actually gone on gone on in their life, right? Not just those with the mental illness, but those who have stood beside them and with them as they've worked through it. So a great book. Just recently was up in Seattle with him. We presented to a group in the down home downtown Seattle. And that was awesome. And he's doing a tour to almost every state in the United States to say, here's a book out there. Read it. Great stories. And here's some tools that you can use.
2: Oh, fabulous. It's interesting to me because of what you say your journey has been through this along with your son. The question I have is, is there a line between people who may be suffering from a very specific mental illness versus all the rest of us, because we all have stress and we all have, like you mentioned with COVID, we all have these things we deal with. Is there a very specific line not to downplay anything that anyone's going through? Are these methods things that can help everybody?
0: I believe there are they they are methods that could help everyone. Um, for myself, I metaphorically have created this. Everybody knows who Batman is. He's a real supposedly a real guy, but he has these special tools that he has on his belt, right? And I've created my own Nami belt, and in it I have all these little tools that they taught me. Doctor Xavier Amador wrote a book, and um, and he talks about leap. So it's listen, empathize, being able to partnership up with your, your, um, your loved one, the person you're supporting. So I use that and open-ended questions and a bunch of other communication tools. And these are the things that I use in my process of working with my son, how to redirect at different times, how to support him. So um, they have helped me. And that's one thing that really has made a difference um, by teaching, it allows me to reiterate those, remember those process, remember those skills, remember those changes, um, and, and to be more effective. I mean, I came out of a, a business world, and I thought my business acumen and my skills could be uh, far more effective, and I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but as NAMI has helped me see, it's made a difference in my life. And like I've shared, it's saved my life as well as his Fabulous. Hopefully that answered your no,
2: question. No, no, that's that's great. How would someone know whether they need NAMI services or not?
0: It's an interesting question because to diagnose someone with a mental illness, you really need your physician's support in regard to that. Psychologists, psychiatrists all coming together. And there's a huge spectrum, right? We've seen people with uh, minor depression and it begin to make some minor change. You see some symptoms in their life, like maybe they're not caring for themselves as well. Maybe they're not as simple as not showering Mm -hmm. regularly. Maybe they're not eating right. So there's some things that go on, but, but they function perfectly well. Whereas the opposite spectrum, if someone who's in total depression, my son was there at one point, they can't get out of bed for four or five days at a time. The depression is just so debilitating, they can't do anything. Or the example would be mania with his bipolar. It was a point of mania and he'd be up for four or five days. He read every textbook I had from college (laughs) and he's just doing science experiments. And that's some people do that with businesses. I've had friends who have, um, the individual just went out and bought like 50 cars for their business. And it was like, no, we can't do this. (laughs) But that's how manic and they can be very successful. If we look at history, We see all kinds of people who have worked through and endured mental illness. We talk about Abraham Lincoln, totally depressed, and you see that in his writings, just one example. Uh, Robin Williams, unbelievably spontaneous and responsive, but he also dealt and suffered with mental illness and contributed millions of dollars to help fight and, and persevere for help others to persevere through their individual crisis. So the spectrum is huge. Uh, definitely recommend that you see someone medically uh, to be able to do that diagnosis, and we're getting better and better. We use They primarily use the DSM-5, and uh, that's the manual for physicians that they use. But ultimately, in the end, what's going to make the difference, it, there is an awareness of what mental illness you have, but in the end, it's how can I get support to work through this? And I hope the future will look like the word collaboration, so it's your physician, it's your psychiatrist, it's your psychologist, it's your family members, whether it's your spouse, your children, your parents, whoever is around you, cousins or friends who will help integrate together so you can live a better life overall and understand what's happening. There was a movie out years ago, um, The Soloist. I don't know if you remember that. It was about a, a gentleman who paid, played the cello. He was in the streets of L.A., And a news reporter heard him and he was like, this guy's unbelievably talented. It's fantastic. And he he took it on as a challenge to bring this guy up to his standard of life, right? He got him to play, made him an appointment so he could play in a concert at Juilliard because he had been to Juilliard before. And he got him an apartment. He got people to contribute money to help him. To the end, the pressure was so much, he couldn't play at Juilliard. He Mm. stopped right in the middle and he left and he was in and out of his apartment but it wasn't just his place to be it wasn't so much that he changed but the people around him who rallied together supported did change and slowly he began to change for the better it's Mm -hmm. helping to understand those things
2: yeah person really whether it's a loved one or whether it's ourselves we need to get diagnosed first professional diagnosis and then from there what's the next step
0: once you have a diagnosis of Hopefully, you're seeing a, some type of a physician or someone to do that diagnosis. And then you begin to work through the process. I know for my son, one of the most important things is before we put him on medication, we did three things. We had him see his phys- physician and do a complete physical to understand there was nothing wrong with him, not a, a tumor, or pituitary gland, mm-hmm. not something totally out of, out of the normal in regard to his physical well-being. The other thing was to look at his eating habits because... The reality is, is our heating habits are horrendous. The volumes of sugar and food, all those kinds of additives and the chemicals, had to look at helping to curb that. Today, mm-hmm. he has to eat healthy because his body rejects unhealthy food at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then once we had, we had that in check, we had him look at exercise. So today he still walks, does a lot of walking, and it really helps him. It helps his metabolism work through, and then you have a doctor or you may have various different types of medications that may be necessary in addition to um, at that point mm. but three great places to start and if they make a difference fantastic uh, today he's no longer taking medication by his choice worked with his doctor does he self-medicate there's still some self-medication that goes on but he's very functional and um, and he's a great stay-at-home dad so oh,
2: great yeah well that's fabulous it's- a great testament to everything that you've, you've been able to do. So that's, and I think that's, those are very good steps, no matter where a person's at right. in in trying to figure out if there's anything wrong whatsoever, even if it hasn't been uh, directly diagnosed, but, but keeping up on all those areas is, is really important. Okay. Let's take a break from that conversation. I wanted to bring up a question for you. During these crazy times, do you feel like your business is indestructible? Most people don't. And if not, the real question is why and what can you do to make it as indestructible as possible? Well, that's the basis of my new book, Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business. I'm going to talk about the second way, which is called being consistent. I cover this all in chapter two. And I'm not talking about being consistent in a very generic way. I'm talking about specifically being consistent in your communications with your customers. Not just customers you're looking to have, but customers you've already had and getting them to know, like, and trust you. Now you could be doing this through paid advertising, but you could also be doing it organically through social media, via videos, via blog posts, via podcasts like this. Getting out there so that people can get to know, like, and trust you, so that when they do become customers, they don't just become customers that enjoy and love your products or services. They know, like, and trust you as a person. That's a value they can't get from big companies. I also have eight other ways to Amazon proof your business. Basically the idea of making it competition proof to even someone as big as amazon.com. So if you'd like to get your hands on a free copy of my book, go to Amazon-proof book. Dot .com sign up and you will get a free copy and get the chance to purchase a physical copy of it for a special price in addition to that if you happen to be in the Josephine County area or nearby and you're looking to have a speaker come and discuss these type of issues with your organization club or group of friends then I have a limited calendar that I may be able to fit you into go check out bryanjpombo.com slash speaking and fill out the application. We'll be sure and get back to you on that. And now let's get back to our show. So if you and I were to talk a year from now, and we were going to look back over the past 12 months, what would you say would have had to have happened for you to feel happy with your progress, both personally and with your relationship with NAMI?
0: That's a great question. Um, I think my happiness would be internally would be that um, we've strengthened the group of people here in Grants, Josephine County, and Jackson County, because that's where our central office of Uh Southern Oregon is, in Medford. But to be able to say that this county is now strongly sustaining a fantastic support system where people know, hear, and understand, they're no longer fearful of people because they look so different. We are somewhat always gonna do that. We have our own prejudices, um, but from a mental health perspective that we're able to reach out and help these people. My futuristic beyond a year would be, I don't know if you ever remember the Star Trek episode where uh, Chekhov falls on the USS Enterprise, he hits his head, they're about to do surgery on him, the physicians, and they're about to cut open his, and all of a sudden, Jim and Bones beam in, And they get them to stop, and Bones looks at the physician, he goes, you barbarian. And he runs his tricorder around him, and he heals him. To me, that would be the future. We've Mm -hmm. been able to do so much in regard to heart disease um, and and many other anomalies physically, and uh, between vaccinations, and I definitely don't want to discuss that at this point. But but things that have helped us throughout the years to get better, the future would be we'd be able to do that Uh, for one another in regard to mental illness and we can if they do we can support those people as they live their life a fruitful life and recognize that they their value is not maybe sometimes their behaviors or how they're different but their value as a human being and that very essence is phenomenal I think
2: fabulous what do you think are the main obstacles staying in the way of getting there
0: I think one of the biggest obstacles and I'm only looking for the perspective because I'm really trying to focus on Josephine County is volunteers, having volunteers available to do some of the things that we're trying to do. Uh, the obstacle is also resides in the area of education. How can we help that people better understand what and how they can work with loved ones who have um, these type of disease, brain diseases. And um, if we can do that and communicate that, then we realize that we can't help them more. Again, Brian, it's realizing there's this huge spectrum. There's some people that you can just work with on a regular basis, very low medication or no medication, and help them through. There are those in the opposite spectrum where they're very delusional, right? They're seeing um, delusions, they're having hallucinations. Um, And they don't want help, and and that's really sad. And we don't even have a support system for them. Years ago, we did. We had institutions, as good or bad as they were, at least it was a place that they could go. And um, so can we best just get out there and help people understand what's happening, educate them, um, let them know there are resources, let Mm -hmm. them know that there is help out there, and then be able to reach out and move with it, to become an advocate for it. One of the opportunities I've had in life was to be able to be an advocate for school systems in regard to uh, children who are going through and parents who have their, their child who's diagnosed, right? Bipolar, schizophrenic, things of that nature, depression. And uh, inside of it, they have what's called IEP, right? And these are independent educational assessments. And then they help put a plan together for that child but it's amazing to be able to see how you can help, how you can ask the right questions, how you can use the existing system to provide something positive as that child begins to grow and help them move forward in it, as well as the confidence of their parents. But parents have to know that it's there. Mm-hmm. They have to know that advocacy is there. There are people that can help them. That's part of it. Helping to let them know that this is out there. It is very helpful. Now, it means in all 50 states in the United States, we're also in Canada, Mexico, and in begin beginning to do training in Italy in itself. Mm-hmm. And in each state, there's a central state office. And then there's affiliates. The example in Oregon, there's 13 affiliates inside of Oregon itself. So there are things to help. We're getting better and better. 988, Suicide Hotline, SAMHSA's work together with NAMI together to be able to make that available. But and with government funding, thank goodness, there's funding available but it's an easier way to be able to reach out and then they're able to give you resources in your specific area. Mm-hmm. And even this area, uh, we, we do a monthly steering committee meeting and uh, we include a number of organizations. So we're partnership and now beginning to say, here's different resources that we can bring alongside and we know we can reach out to options or the VA or the various different um, hospital associations. So lots Great. to come.
2: Yeah. Wow. And we met via the Chamber of Commerce. Yes. And so going to Chamber of Commerce meetings, <clears throat> doing an interview on a show like this, what is the main goal you're hoping to achieve?
0: Communication. Let people know what's available. Chamber has been fantastic. Unbelievable. I can't tell you how many people have reached out and opened doors. Uh, to be able to be on the radio station at the same time, to be able to speak at a church, um, about mental illness, because sometimes there's a lot of stigma, mm-hmm. um, to be able to talk to different businesses and coordinate with the, the food bank here in town, as uh, as well as some of the other organizations. So um, it's, I just can't say thank you enough, but it's just the very beginning. We just want to let people know it is there. Information is, there is support. It's, it's like these doors that seem to have been closed that people don't know exists. well, Those doors are open, they aren't there, and um, you can begin to reach out. But it does take effort, it does take time, it does take uh, people taking that step forward. One of the other opportunities is the grower's market. So about every other week I go to grower's market and I put a nice table up and put the NAMI logos, give out brochures, pencils to kids, whatever, whatever. but I can't tell you how many people have come up and asked questions about a loved one, about a situation, about support, maybe their own journey with it. Um, but it's helping them also. It's getting the word out. So looking for volunteers, we put information in the public libraries now. We have uh, two months that we get a chance to be able to do that during the year. Had a volunteer come up and said, I'm more than willing to do that for you. And they, they had better creative ideas than I did, let me tell you. And they put them up, and it was beautiful. And then they took them down. So all that labor and work, I just had to schedule, and they were able to do. So we're always looking for people to um, to be able to learn, to be able to teach one of the classes. So mm-hmm. Because we're right now we're in the middle of doing a family-to-family eight-week class. And it's being done in person, actually, in Medford. And it's great. We do a... Um, a support group on a weekly basis and it's on zoom and online and as much as people don't like zoom um, or that you know remote technology um, it's made a huge difference i can do teaching i just finished a class in rhode island for three days and then i finished a class in in california in solano and i got a class coming up to be able to teach in kentucky and uh, so we're able to reach out more and more and expand. How information is getting out there and how people can be a part and support.
2: That family to family class that you spoke of, that was your first introduction to NAMI?
0: One of my first. I also, we also started with the support group. Okay. So we did the family to family support group, um, which was really just a group of people who got together on a weekly basis and we looked at resources, their experiences. You walk into a support group. And when you begin to count, maybe there's just 10 people or eight people in the room. But you look at the years of experiences that they've been dealing with mental illness, and you can have hundreds of years of lived experience of working with someone who's been diagnosed with a mental illness or who they don't have a diagnosis and still have been living with it. And those give us group some wisdom and insights for what they've tried and what they've done. And then definitely the family to family class, which is a series of classes, which just give us current and accurate information in regard to mental illnesses and how to be more effective in working with our loved one.
2: Excellent. Well, I, as we wind down our conversation, are, are there any questions I didn't ask that you'd like to answer?
0: I don't know if it's as much questions as just knowing that um, there are warning signs. You mentioned earlier, how do I know? And I mean, there's all kinds of warning signs. You can go lovely on the internet and you can pull up questionnaires and begin to see. Normally what you begin to see is someone who, um, it's called like a double-edged sword. They begin to add these new attributes to their life, but they're negative, right? They're sleeping excessively. Um, they get really strongly irritated. Um, they're not upkeeping themselves, as well as things that um, are being added to their life, right? So look at both of them, and both are negative attributes that are taking place. If you go online, you can take a look at some of the different checklists that walk through. That may help you. Sometimes you'll see people sad, or they begin to withdraw at this point. They may even begin to harm themselves, and and I don't mean to say it frivolously, but Definitely, um, we talk about the issues openly about attempted suicides or suicides, things of that nature, and you can see people becoming overwhelmed. Different fears that are beginning to develop within them they become mm-hmm. isolated. They don't want to be with around others, or they have outbursts um, associated with it. So, and there's so many different mental illnesses. We talk about. Uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, borderline personality, uh, PTSD with, with our military, primarily with our military personnel, but it's still rampant with others in the community, right? And so there's uh, just so many things out there we are just trying to help give people tools to be able to work with their loved ones. So I have a daughter <coughs> who's married, has one child. Uh, very successful. Her her and her husband are both college graduates, right? And they both have professional occupations. Whereas my son still goes to college every once in a while. He takes two classes. Can't take one because he gets bored. Can't take three because it's too much pressure. (laughs) Isn't really working. Um, He lives on SSI, but he's very productive and interactive with his children who are now getting older, but both of them. No matter what their positions are, no matter what their educational goals have become, they both hold the same value of life as a human being. And that's what I want to be to honor in their lives. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great.
2: How could a listener who's interested in what you're discussing here regarding NAMI, uh, what could they do to find out more?
0: You can go on the web and you can definitely look at uh, NAMI Southern Oregon. You can type www.NAMI Southern Oregon. It'll come up. We have a phone number that you can use in NAMI Southern Oregon at 541-774-7872 or an email to info at southern org. And um, if that doesn't work, uh, get a hold of the state office in Portland and they'll either direct you uh, to be able to give you information or back down to here so you can have someone local to talk to and share.
2: Excellent. NAMI is N-A-M-I, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And James Ramirez, thanks so much for being on Grants Pass VIP.
0: Thank you, Brian, I appreciate this immensely.
2: I want to start out first by thanking Trevor Yarish at The Hive, downtown Grants Pass. The Hive is a great little location for co-working, and they also have offices for rent on a regular basis. It's a really cool situation. You should go check them out. And we had a chance to be there to record this episode. I had the day out there to kind of try things out. It's really a neat situation, so we'll have Trevor on the show in the future. James is really an interesting guy. I mean, talk about an amazing life and somebody who just puts his all into everything he does. I think that's what I respect about him the most is here you have this situation that he didn't choose to be in, found himself with an organization that just kind of showed up in his life and he's become this huge person that is promoting it and getting it out there and letting the rest of us know about it. That's pretty incredible to go from all the different things that he's done and then to jump into this nonprofit realm and give it the same zeal and gusto that he's done with other things. That's, that's really great. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope to hear more from him in the future.
1: Join us again on the next Grants Pass VIP, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com. Helping movers and shakers in Southern Oregon and beyond stand out. That's b-r-i-a-n-j-p-o-m-b-o.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest or a sponsor on Grants Pass VIP, go to grantspassvip.com forward slash contact. Guests who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse the opinions of the host or sponsors. The theme music is FunShine by Kevin MacLeod. Our host is a Grants Pass resident and business strategist, Brian Palmo. I'm executive producer Shawnee Douglas, and until next time, live road, and have fun.